Welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Dee, the managing editor at Annie Fem. You can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And I am joined today by fellow Annie Fem staffers, Caitlin and Vry. Hello, I'm Caitlin. Um, I'm a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as on The Daily Dot. I just had an article come, article come out on VG247. Been keeping myself busy because God knows I'm not going to work right now. Yeah. Okay, and Vry. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I guess that was the end. That, that was, was the end it. Of that. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, hey, I'm Vry Kaiser. They them. I freelance all over the place. You can find most of the stuff I do. I'll post on my Twitter at writer Vry, and you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And today we are back with what is becoming a semi-annual podcast, though we should probably do it a few more times than that. Um, it's our manga variety hour. And we figured people could... Oh, what were you going to try? Oh, no. To... In fairness... I was building up some, some momentum there, but it's fine. Damn no, it. no, no, no. Screech! No, no. Keep, keep going. Fine. No, it's fine. That was the most Midwestern thing you've ever recorded on one of these podcasts, but all right. No, no, it's fine. I was just, I, was, I don't mind that you completely ruined my build up. You say what you were going to say. Oh, it's, it's good natured ribbing. <laughs> I know. Uh, I was just saying, in fairness, it takes a little while to, to do as much prep as these episodes require. It does. We do have to make sure we have enough titles to talk about and enough people who have talked about, who have uh, read them and all that good stuff. But. We do have a new one for you folks. Um, we figured in the midst of everything going on, and this will this episode will be dropping about a week after we recorded it, so y'all know what we're talking about. Uh, we thought people could use a pick-me-up, um, maybe some recommendations for some titles that uh, could brighten their days. So it's something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and for all the children in the audience, no, I'm kidding. I, I don't know if I, five people are going to get that reference. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and they're going to really like it. They're going to really like that reference, those five people. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about comedy series we've been reading. Um, we did just a couple of little notes. We did decide to keep this to series that we would consider, like, comedy is the first element of it. So we avoided rom-coms because we could definitely do an entire episode on rom-coms. And we also wound up avoiding some cooking shows because we realized we could do an entire episode on food manga as well. So, uh, with that in mind... I'm stepping up to the pitcher's mound because it is time for our fast pitch, and that one will be Satoko and Nada, which both Caitlin and I have read. Um, I, made it a, I made it a fast pitch because there's only two volumes out in English as of this recording, and we also have an article coming out on it that either, it'll be coming out either right before or right after this podcast drops, um, which will give you more information about the story as well. So Satoko and Nada is the story of a uh, Japanese and a Saudi Arabian exchange student who share an apartment in uh, New York City together while they're going to college. And it's just about their day-to-day life as they kind of navigate uh, their cultural differences and then the, the, you know, the, the different points of similarity that they have with each other and their relationships with the other characters. Um, and it is uh, very fun and light and silly, but also like low-key educational. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin, how are you liking this one? It is definitely the definition of a gentle comedy. Uh, The punchlines don't hit super hard, but it's pleasant. It's nice to read. Everyone is nice. 
They all take care of each other. Um, I think it is probably a very soothing balm on these days. Um, and it's great because a lot of anime and, well, a lot of media from any country can be kind of insensitive about other cultures. Mm-hmm. But but I know that they did, a lot of research went into this. Um, a lot of taking, you know, the manga went to other places. She had a co-editor who had, who is, I think, Muslim American or Muslim Japanese. Um, I know that the English language editor for Seven Seas is also Muslim American, Leanne, um, who has been on this podcast. Um, and it's just, it's nice. And I do feel like I have like learned a lot about uh, various Islamic cultures that, you know, I didn't know before. So it was very illuminating too. Yeah, there are some there are some really good uh, details in there about um, just day to day life in again in Japan and Saudi Arabia, and then like how that contrasts with America. Because I think the mangaka lived in America for a while, so she's pulling from those experience as a as a uh, Japanese person in the it States It definitely as well. has that feeling. It's very, like, very American college culture. Yeah, um, and then kind of how, how the different, the girls from the, these different areas sort of, um, you know, navigate that and, and get used to certain aspects of it, and then maybe don't others, and overall, it's like every once in a while, it will kind of acknowledge, like, oh, maybe this is, maybe this is an issue, or maybe this is something that we, that could use improvement in whatever culture they're discussing like they're they're really good about not like hitting hard on one particular group um but overall it's very accepting of just like well you know different people do things different ways and that's not necessarily a you know a harmful or a bad thing um so yeah overall i really enjoy it and um i'm looking forward to that article coming out because i think it outlines a lot of the positives of the Mm -hmm. series really well it's a nice article yeah um so again, I I think when this drops, it will not have come out yet because we'll be, have been wrapping up like premieres and season recs and stuff. But it should be out pretty quick afterwards. So keep an eye out for that, folks. And with that fast pitch out of the way, I am going to step over to the sidelines, bring Vry in, and allow the two of you to have a little two a two mango session. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, we were going to talk about Way of the House Husband, a manga that everyone in my house is obsessed with because it's very charming. Uh, it's that's one. Of, it's one of the ones that I leave in the bathroom so that uh, Jared can also read it while he's pooping. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the optimal way to read manga. Yes, of course. Espe- <laughs> well, especially a gag manga like this. I think the cl- exactly. I, I think one of the closest uh, points of comparison for folks out there might be if you watch Tina Matsuri because this is also about a former member of the Yakuza. Like, it has some of the same types of goofs. Uh, and the setup is that uh, this our main character was once, you know, the, the fearsome exterminator for the Yakuza, but he met the love of his life and he retired in order to marry her. And she is a working woman and he is a house husband. And the entire joke is... He does normal domestic things like going shopping or going to yoga class with some other, you know, stay-at-home uh, spouses. Uh, but he looks scary while doing it. And every time the joke is funny. It is. Every <laughs> single time. It just has not gotten old yet. How many volumes are out? Or how many of you guys read thus far? Two. Two. Two in English, I think. And th- okay, so it's another one that I thought, it, I knew it had just come out recently, but I wasn't sure how far along they were. Yeah, there's a third one coming out in May, so pretty soon here. Oh, I have to order that. And, and like, to its credit, it, it 
Saying it's only one joke does sell it a little bit short, because even as of the second volume, it's already starting to build recurring characters, and this kind of warm little world of just nice characters who have these kind of supportive bonds with each other. And it's really nice as an example of positive masculinity, too. I actually wrote a little article about this for Fanbyte, because, like, there's a... A, mem a current member of the Yakuza who seeks uh, this guy out because he was so cool and macho and he wants to learn from him and, and so the house husband teaches him how you can get your stains out of your laundry because what are you doing? <laughs> what kind of man are you if you don't know how to do your own laundry? He's got clothes all over the floor and there's stuff that you would expect like blood stains him being a member of the Yakuza but also like grease stains from when he was cooking or chocolate from when he dripped ice cream on himself. Um, it plays with expectations in a very clever way where you know that it's never going to be exactly, uh, exactly what it seems like at first, but you don't know just how it's going to turn out. And it's always just very charming. Mm -hmm. And I think also what makes that work is that it doesn't just play with reader expectations. It plays with other characters' expectations as well. Like when he is, uh, Tatsu is growing plants on his balcony and a bunch of police are like, oh, he's growing drugs. He's got the weed there. <laughs> and so... Not the marijuana. <laughs> you know, the... the drug that if you are caught with in Japan will ruin your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a much harsher penalty over there than it is here for yeah. most people anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's so terror bad for you. Um sure. anyway. Sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll just walk down the street and demonstrate, you know. Um but so we know that he is just growing a garden because we know that it is him. But the comedy is in the police making assumptions because that he is growing drugs because he's the, you know, the dragon Tatsu. And then their reaction when they go over there and he's like, yeah, I've been growing these in my garden. I've got the carrots coming in. Yeah, it's there's there's this stupendous scene in a yoga studio in, in the second volume where, oh where where they're doing various poses and, and he will. And, and he'll do something like, oh, like, it's like, oh, I'm starting to get it. So this is, you know, he does, I don't actually know the actual name of the pose, but you know, you, you you're on your knees and you bend backwards and you arch your back. And he's like, this is like the, the pose when you, when you know you done fucked up and your boss is going, and your boss has slammed your head into the, into the tatami mat and everyone's just staring. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, and the thing that I think really makes it work for me is his relationship with his wife. They're so sweet and they love each other. They're so sweet. They love each oh, other so good. much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They take really nice care of each other. He also like does play like the quote unquote housewife role with her. Like she keeps trying to buy soda at the store and he's like, no, you drink too much of this crap. <laughs> we have some at home, like a very like, you know, caretaker sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So is he, just to get a feel for the story, is he a retired Yakuza who's now mm -hmm. um, a stay-at-home husband yes. and his wife is working? Mm -hmm. Is that yes. the story? Okay, that's okay. That's fun. I couldn't tell from your description if he was like still in the Yakuza, if he was done. No, he um, has quit, much to the disappointment of many of his kohai. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, well, that does sound fun. That's one that's definitely been on my radar. I just, you know, I'm reading a lot and... Um, 
libraries aren't necessarily an option at this exact Mm-mm. moment. And I've I've been bad about going to the library anyway, so I tend to like just kind of buy the stuff I buy and, and read it that way. Um, yeah. But it's good to know. I will keep that one on. I will continue to keep that one on my radar and uh, check it out if I can. Folks at home, you may want to do the same. Thank you. Um, all right, Vry, take a seat. Caitlin, I'm sorry. You've got a, you've got a, you, you're front loaded on this one. Um, but I, but I am going to need you to step up and hit me with your best sell. Uh, you wanted to tell us about, please tell me Galco Chan. Yes. 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 Well, tell you about it again. Cause I did do the episode about the anime and the manga is fairly faithful to the anime or rather the other way around. Um, but of course, it goes farther. Um, it goes past the point of the anime, and so it has. It continues to have that sort of that charm, the sort of body comedy, which I just realized the other day when D was say has said it in other episodes is B A W D Y, not B O D Y. I'm I'm smart and have a really good vocabulary. They, to be fair. It basically means the same thing in the context of fiction. Like when you're talking about a body <laughs> comedy, you are talking about like a comedy about bodies into bodies. Yeah. So uh, to be fair, the meaning was not lost. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with it at all, it is a, the story of Galco, a gal who is uh, has a, who is very curvy. Her best friend Otako, an otaku, and their friend uh, Ojo, a rich girl. And just the three of them talking and uh, talking about all sorts of different things, including, you know, their curiosity about sex, about bodies, about things like boobs and periods and poop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can see why I would think of it as a B-O-D-Y comedy. Yes. (laughs) Um, But in ways that are very, like, natural and that I act, recall having similar conversations with with my friends about the same sorts of subjects. Um, and as the manga goes, um, two things happen. One, you start meeting more characters. Um, you get to know Galco's sister, older sister, and her friends more. Um, and, you know, they are all adult women, so that has its own set of things. They're all they're sexually experienced, unlike... Galco and her friends so that has its own sort of gentle discussion um and also it gets gayer Ooh, uh yeah <laughs> I've got prize interest there's a, there's a lot of subtext with Galco and Otoko good um <laughs> so if you watch the anime and you picked up on the slight amounts of that uh good job um, and if you're interested in that, it's definitely worth checking out. You know, and plus the U.S. release of it is beautiful, full color. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah, it's it's absolutely great. How many volumes of that are out at the moment? Five. Okay, so uh, not too far into it, and it's it's an, it's still an ongoing one, right? I think every every title we've talked about so far is ongoing. Yeah, I think we're up to the releases in Japan. Okay, cool. Too. So we're reading them as as they do. Uh, yeah, fun. All right, that's good to know. Raya is adding it to their cart as we speak. Uh, <laughs> you had me at Gayer. <laughs> I, I mean, I've already logged on to the right stuff and added the Way of the House Husband Volume Three. <laughs> We're Very all nice. learning something yeah, today. The, yeah, the third volume of Satoko Inada I think comes out in May as well. It's like low key in my cart right now too. Yay. So um, I feel that definitely. 
Um, all right, Caitlin, you finally get to rest for a minute. Um, <laughs> go, go take a drink of a uh, drink of water or beer or coffee or whatever your preferred your preferred <laughs> drink is at the moment. Um, Brian, I pause right here. <laughs> so cool. Brian, <laughs> I will be stepping in uh, to do a segment entitled "One for Your Money," which we haven't done since the first episode of this because uh, it's where we look at a series. We look at either a single volume series or a series that only has one volume out, and we kind of talk about. Um, how it started off and if we want to keep up with it and all that good stuff. We didn't do that for our last episode because our last episode was nothing but one shots, so that would have gotten real repetitive. <laughs> um, but here we are, one for your money, side A, and Ryan and I will be talking about A Man and His Cat, which just started um, pub- getting published in English um, this past like January, February. Vry, how do you like it? <laughs> There's something <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> it's very nice oh, yeah? and good. <laughs> Well, I can't think of anything else to say, so I guess we'll just move on from that very uh, <laughs> no, but I, eloquent description. I think this is the one that um, folks will probably have at least some familiarity with it, because when it first started coming out, I think some of the uh, the, the initial comics were, were being traded around a lot on Tumblr and Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think folks might have seen this one and maybe didn't necessarily know that it had been bound and was localized. So I'm I'm glad that we can tell them that because it's so good in my heart and the cat puns. Yeah, it is delightful. So this one is about uh, Fukumaru, a um, a fat and so-called ugly, but he's not ugly. He's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, a big fat cat who um, was passed over at the uh, like pet store for a long while. Until Kanda, an older man uh, who's been recently widowed, uh, shows up at the pet store and decides to adopt Fukumaru because he, um, like all people with a discerning eye, realizes that Fukumaru is in fact adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story is about you know these two lonely, I'm, I'm going to say people, but this lonely guy and this lonely cat um, finding each other and finding companionship with one another. Um, it is a combination of like hilarious and adorable and also like really sweet like I teared up within the first chapter I think mm-hmm. and there were a few other places where I did that as well but then there's tons of spots I, d- I definitely consider it a comedy because there's so many spots where I'm just giggling non-stop at the antics of um Conda and his cat and him like figuring out how to raise an animal for the first time because he's never really had a pet before um he has a friend who's really into dogs who kind of cycles in and out of the story there's um people at the pet store who will who come, become characters so like the cast you can already tell that the cast is going to expand to give the story more to do in the coming volumes um i think my favorite thing about this one is the author is so obviously somebody who has owned and loves cats definitely you know like it, it hits that I, I actually tweeted this and it went it went a little viral which made me happy um it hits that perfect balance between like here's a four panel comic that's absolutely adorable and sweet about what wonderful balls of cuddly fluff cats are and then like you'll flip the page and the next one is like look at this little shit (laughs) what a what a gremlin oh my god and i'm like yep nope that's that's cat ownership in a nutshell uh there's a very good comic i've never seen another story about cats do this where fukumara makes a big mess in his litter box acts and, and doesn't bury it 
gets out of the litter box, has a little poop fall out, and then tries to bury the one that's on the ground that has no litter around it, and obviously it's not working. I'm like, yeah, yeah, my cat likes to paw at the carpet too, and completely miss burying it. And I didn't know anybody else knew about this experience. <laughs> Hashtag relatable, Conda. You and me. Uh-huh. Um, it's so... So, yeah. It's so good and heartwarming, and I die... I'm having trouble being coherent just because it's so... I think the only downside to this, and this isn't... J- just if you're somebody who has limited funds to spend on manga, this is a little bit pricier and it's a pretty thin volume. Like, I think if you have a discretionary fund budget, um, it's well worth your time. It's very heartwarming and it's a story I'd like to see supported and do well. But if you're one where, like, you know, I want to get something where I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck, it is a little bit smaller. Um, the digital volumes are not are nine. They're cheaper. So, that's nice. That's how I've been buying them is digital. So, um, if that's if the, I know I know not everybody likes or can read digital manga, but um, if that is an option for you, um, they tend to skew a little bit less expensive that way. Um. And you still get like, and you still get the color pages and everything. Um, and I, I believe the the print co- volumes are very nicely made too. They are. I have it actually sitting on my desk right now. Um, it's it's a very nice, slim little volume. Um, looks good. Uh, by the way, all of you, I need you to Google Scottish Fold cats because that is oh, the yeah, supposedly they're... ugly brand uh breed of cat that Fukumaro is. Oh no, Scottish Folds are precious and perfect. Uh huh. Um, Beautiful like angels. Most cats. Yes. Um, They're really, really popular in Japan, too. Mm-hmm. Maru is a Scottish fold. Cute. They're so stinking cute. Yeah, if you want yeah, cat feels, this is A++. It's really, really good, yeah. And um, again, only the first volume's out. I think uh, it's Square Enix. It's their new publishing line. Um, they're releasing it, like, I think once every three or four months. Um, there's only four volumes out in Japan. So it's one that, if you committed to it, it wouldn't necessarily be like, well, I have to buy a volume every two months to stay up with a 20-volume series or something like that. Like, um, it's an easy one to kind of pick up and, and read a little bit and then put it down and read a little bit more later because it's just sweet and heartwarming and episodic and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, like Rye, uh, hard, hard recommendation on, on A Man and His Cat, absolutely. Oh, uh, apparently the second volume will be out in July, so that's fine. July, okay, yeah. They're, I thought they were they were staggering them a little bit just because there aren't that many volumes, so they'd run out pretty quick if they, you know, threw them at us too quickly, so. Okay, cool, that's great to know. I will put that on the wish list as well. Um, okay, uh, Rye, you get to take a little break here. Um, it's demonologues at everybody for a short period of time. We are introducing a new segment, um, mostly because I felt like we needed something else to help break this up, um, and it's always good to have new stuff. Uh, this segment is called Love It or Loan It, and the concept here, folks at home, is that we will be talking about a series that we enjoy, but the question will remain, is it a series you should spend your hard-earned money on, or should you just pick it up from the library or borrow it from a friend's collection? And the series I will be talking about today is The Royal Tutor. Um, now, uh, anyone who, if any of you have been following, like, my stuff over the past few years, you'll know I did episode commentary on the anime adaptation of The Royal Tutor. It was a pleasant surprise that I expected nothing from and then ended up being um, very funny um, and also heartwarming and, like, low-key kind of progressive. Like, it did some pretty good stuff with the ideas of, like, um, judging people by appearances versus re- versus reality. Um, it tackled a lot of issues on class differences um, in ways that were like surprisingly smart for what started as like a goofy pretty boy comedy. Um, so quick sum up for folks who have never heard of The Royal Tutor. 
Uh, it is about a uh, royal family in a fantasy kingdom whose uh, four younger sons keep running tutors off. And so their dad, the king, hires a new tutor, Heine, who is, uh, he's like this tiny little guy who looks like a child, but he's a full-grown man. And he shows up and he uh, very quickly like wins the princes over by being just a really, really good tutor. Um, there's also some really good uh, points about like what makes a good teacher throughout this. And as somebody who was raised by teachers and like comes from a family full of teachers, I, I really enjoyed that as well. Um, oh, I love the sound of music. So- Sorry. I- yeah, I mean, <laughs> he do- he hasn't he hasn't married their dad yet, but it's possible. <laughs> um, and uh, so he comes in and he and he bonds with the kids and kind of like helps them each through their own um, insecurities, some of their like past past traumas, um, and it, it so it's this balance of like goofy. Um, goofy shenanigans running around like this fantasy Austria um, and then coupled with these these kind of nice character beats so it's more like I think up to this point we've mostly been talking about gag manga um, well I, a man and his cat really isn't um, this one's more like a sitcom mm. and so it, it will cycle through like some more dramatic story arcs and there's this whole like undercurrent about like some political intrigue involving their oldest brother because as of right now he's first in line with, for the throne but his dad like clearly doesn't think he should be the king um, so the other sons are like low key in competition, um, and so that's all been building up as well. Um, full disclosure: I'm not caught up on the English release. I'm I think I just finished volume nine or ten, so I'm a couple be- I'm a couple behind on that. Um, I enjoy this one a lot. I think the fact that I'm not caught up is indicative of this not being my very favorite series in the world, um, because I keep like I'm like oh I can pick up the next volume whenever it's not one that I'm like absolutely chomping at the bit to see what happens next um, it is it is a nice story that I enjoy while I am reading it um, so it, with for the question love it or loan it I would probably mark this one as loan it unless you are really into comedies about cute boys in which case then yeah you should buy it like because I'm buying it clearly I like it enough to continue to give it my money um, but I think I think for most folks I would say it is definitely worth a read um, it is more, there's more meat to it than I had initially expected, and I appreciate that about it a lot. And it continues to develop the characters in ways that I really enjoy um, as you watch them all kind of like try to find their own individual paths and what they really want to do with their lives, uh, which may not necessarily have to do with like being a king or helping run the kingdom or whatever. Um, and it's very accepting of those different um, those different goals and dreams of the the different characters. Uh, so yeah, overall, I really like it. It's not a absolute top tier glowing recommendation, but there's also not really anything I need to warn people about. Um, there's there's a lot of like c- cover art that like is suggestively shippy, but which is weird because Heine has is a grown ass adult who's not a creeper and is, has a really good and like supportive and healthy relationship with these boys. So I'm not sure why the manga artist keeps drawing those pictures. Um, but you know, they exist. So other than that though, like within the story itself, um, the closest thing to a, to an actual ship is between Heine and the King. So, (laughs) uh, so if you were worried about that going in, don't be, um, other than, other than some occasional art decisions, um, it's, it's really, very gentle and sweet and it is about a a teacher with a healthy relationship with his students Um, that's so so rare in anime these days i know um i'll actually be talking about another series along those veins uh later in the lineup um but i think that's all i have to say about the royal tutor for now um if you liked the i I would also say like if you if you really liked the anime then yeah by the by the manga read it you'll continue to enjoy it um 
So that is the Royal Tutor. Um, and now I'm the one who's going to need to take a step back and uh, take a good long sip of this, this beer sitting next to me <laughs> um, and uh, turn it over for, we're, we're, sorry, we're flipping the cassette click <laughs> to side B and we're starting with another section session of one for your money Caitlin and Vry you will be talking about Junji Ito's cat diary yes more cat manga yay you know what we all need right now more cats <laughs> god I know true. I need more cats I have zero in my life right now oh that's um, right that's why you're reading the manga, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Junji Ito's Cat Diary is an autobiographical manga by Master of Horror Junji Ito about his cats. Uh, it is because fictional cats are great, but we all know that real cats are also strange, quirky creatures that live in our homes and eat and poop in a box and just sort of do stuff that doesn't make sense a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And the truly great thing about it is that Ito really does draw it like a horror manga. So all, he, in the first couple of chapters, he drew his wife uh, without eyeballs. <laughs> like, And apparently she got really mad at him for making her look so creepy. So he changed how he drew her? Why would he draw her without eyeballs in the first place? Because he's Junji Ito. Because he's Junji Ito? Yeah, that would be the answer, right? (laughs) I really appreciated this manga as somebody who was raised only having dogs and then married a cat person, which is the situation. uh, Well, Junji Ito didn't really have pets ever, but he he marries a woman who has a cat. Um, And so a lot of it is about him learning the entirely new communication style you have to learn when you have a cat and just Mm -hmm. those moments it it really excels at capturing those moments of when you're trying so hard to form this bond but you you're kind of overdoing it there's this amazing joke where um he he takes a cat toy uh from he from his wife after she encourages him to play with the cat and and he there's this great panel of him you know, waving it enthusiastically all around and making a fool of himself. Um, and then the and the both cats just deadpan staring at him. <laughs> <laughs> like like um, he watches his wife do it, and they they love it, and they bounce, and they and they chase the cat toy, and then he does it, and they just stare. <laughs> and that's the realist <laughs> mood. <laughs> you are not the one who plays, <laughs> interloper. <laughs> But it's also balanced out with some nice sweet moments where he just draws the cats as cute as they clearly are, like being sweet mm-hmm. and cuddly with his mm-hmm. wife. And, and it, it has a nice balance of tenderness with that. Um, my, and I pers- my personal favorites are when he gets into like petty fights with his wife about who the cats love more. Yes. <laughs> like when, when she's like taunting him about the cats choosing to sleep in her bed. Just like, ah, ha, ha, the cat's like me more. <laughs> and then later, like, they sleep in his bed and she gets super mad. It's like, oh, that's, that's very real. It's extremely, yeah. So it's, it's another gag style manga with, that's just the, a uh, basically a chronicle uh, of, I think, two years um, is how long he was drawing it for. It is, 
maybe folks might want to be aware, um, a little bit melancholy at the end because by the time the Tonkamon came out, both of his cats had passed away. So he kind of has little memorials to them at the end. Aww. Yeah. Poor I mean, kitties. of of old age, as I recall, like. I one of them I think got sick, yeah, and then the other one was what okay. when the um when the hurricane or um you know in twenty uh twenty twelve. Oh yeah. Um it's it's a sad you didn't it's a sad cat story. No no it's, uh, it's just it's just like a you know, a, a bit of it it's like two or three pages. It's just but it kind of you know the thing is that all all pet stories are ultimately sad because I don't know what it is, but they all so many of them die with the pet and with the pet dying. I don't know what it is about pets. It's like they keep dying. It's like dog dog <laughs> movies too. Dog movies always end with the dog dying. Not always. Homeward Bound didn't. There, you can't tell me there's not a draft where Shadow didn't make it out of that pit. Oh, there's a draft. Oh, but yeah. That's not the version we got. So. <laughs> Spoilers for folks at home. Homeward Bound. Oh, no. All of the animals. Sorry. The Homeward Bound. Twenty-six the year old theater movie. when I was six. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's one that I honestly, it's one of my. It is my favorite Junji Ito manga, and I'm I'm a a you know a. I've read a fair bit of his stuff, but I think this one is just so pitch perfect self-awareness of his own style, his own limitations, and he uses the art as much to kind of poke fun at himself and his own tendencies and his mm-hmm. manga as anything mm-hmm. else. Like, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, he draws himself as as terrifying just as much as he draws anyone else terrifying. That's that's good, then. I, I like that he has that, that sense of... Is this the only kind of autobiographical thing he's done? Because I, I know he's known for horror manga. Like, that's his thing. So for him to do, like, a cute cat one-shot um, feels like... Is, is very surprising, I would think. But I'm not as familiar with his work as, as I think you guys To are. my knowledge, this is his only autobiographical... Wow. Mm-hmm. Autobiographical work. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but he did do that amazing panel at, at uh, CRX where he raided various cats that I can't believe wasn't recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he just likes cats. I forgot he did that. No, I think that's, I love when stuff like that happens when you have these writers who are known for like terrifying fucked up shit. And then they're like, here's my, here's my cute cat diary. <laughs> um, that seems to be the case more often than not. Mm-hmm. Like horror writers are generally very like, gentle and chill people it's the comedians you need to watch out for true <laughs> which is as good a transition as we could possibly hashtag, get really. hashtag not all comedians <laughs> i know some comedians okay they're perfectly lovely people <laughs> but anyway um yeah okay and um just to just to double check uh Jinji does cat diary is a one shot right so it it's is. out and if people wanted to check it out they could just grab it okay yep yeah, I, I thought that was the case, and that was why I gave it the title I did, but I did want to double-check and make sure folks at home knew that. So if you've always been interested in Junji Ito, but you don't have a stomach for horror, Cat Diary. God, it's so fucking there funny. I love it so much. That's good to know. I've actually, that's not one that I I, I really knew much about, so um, hearing you guys talk about it. And again, knowing that, you know, it's it's a one-volume commitment is an easy sell, I think. Uh, it's It's one that I would be interested in picking up. All right, that was one for your money. Now it's two to Mango. Variety, take a seat. And Caitlin, let's go. Uh, <laughs> we will be talking about 
um, that what the, the, the series that was adapted into what became the Annie Femme uh, Comedy of the Decade pick, uh, Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. Uh, now, fair, f- full disclosure, uh, the most recent volume that came out these past couple months, I haven't read it yet because I've been reading that one digitally, and there's a weird thing with the latest volume where it's not available digitally yet. I don't know why. Um, I'm about There's to start like not too much happens in this late in the latest volume. Well, it's a I mean it's a gag manga. I don't necessarily expect a lot of stuff to happen. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I haven't read the most recent mm-hmm. volume. So if if there are any because there are like you know some low key character uh, like arcs in the story. So if there were any big moments in the most recent volume, let's skip it for okay. this podcast for my benefit and for you know folks at home who maybe haven't gotten around to the most recent volume. All right, uh, since it did just come out pretty recently. Um, so Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, for the folks at home who are not aware of this one, um, was it, well, the first few volumes were adapted into an, an anime, which is how most of us found out about it, and, uh, we all liked it very, very much. Um, it is a comedy series about a, uh, a high school uh, boy, Nozaki-kun, who, uh, writes a popular, uh, shoujo manga called Let's Fall in Love, under, under a pen name, so, like, people don't immediately know it's him. Um... His classmate, uh, Sakura uh, Chio, has a crush on him, and when she tries to uh, confess to him, she fumbles out her words in such a way that he thinks she's saying she's a fan of his manga, so he gives her an autograph. Uh, she puts two and two together, and then sort of, because she wants to spend more time with him, and she is in the like more traditional arts club at school, she ends up becoming uh, one of his assistants. Uh, through that, she meets his other assistants and their friends, and the cast expands into um, a group of, let's see, about seven about seven characters um, overall, uh, these other kids at school. Um, and the manga is very much about uh, poking fun at, uh, like, lovingly. It's a loving parody of, uh, like, shoujo tropes, and also um, does some pretty cool things off and on with uh, gender roles and norms. Um, I wrote an article about the uh, anime. It was like one of the first pieces I ever wrote that I'm very, I'm still proud of and will definitely be linking to because any excuse to link to that article. Um, and I really appreciate it for the way it um, provides these reversals of expectations in terms of like how you think a shoujo series is going to go or like how you think the the characters based on like you know being the the princely figure or the hot-headed uh, brash character and those being like they'll flip the roles so like those are female characters but like your tsundere style heroine character is a, is is this adorable nerd boy mikunin who everybody loves yeah um <laughs> for 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 the record in case anyone listening doesn't know d wrote an excellent article on exactly this subject but, yeah that's why uh, i'm continuing to yammer about it um what i really like is that you know part of the reason you know that uh it's an affectionate parody is because the writer is a shoujo manga author mm-hmm. herself um but yeah no it's just it's pleasant it's the way it skewers shoujo comedy is perfect um and yes like and i have said already in this very episode i appreciate anything that does like a lot of gender reversal i have a question for for people so this has been going on for a long time right and it's a gag manga but also with characters how is it doing at sustaining itself at at as long as it it is so 
It's not, I mean, it's not that long. It's for a manga. It's 11 volumes at this point. It's, yeah. And I kind of get the sense that it's winding down, but I could mm-hmm. be mistaken on that front. There um, was a lot of character progress in the second to last volume to come out. Like, a lot of stuff that was just kind of, like, coming up to the line, which is, like, are they going to actually, like, is there going to be some actual forward movement? Is a character going character gonna to actually, like, realize something? Because there's a lot of, like, semi like a lot of quote-unquote couples in it yeah it's it's just very shippy figured but it I out wouldn't, yet yeah i wouldn't describe it like i i put i kept it on this list because i think it is first and foremost a comedy i think the romance is very much other than chio having a crush on nozaki which is you know a through line from day one um i think most of the most of the romantic elements are more on the back burner in favor of the gags but i mean there is definitely like low-key progression with some of the different couples uh throughout mm-hmm. the series so mm-hmm. Now, do you have a question for you? Sure. What's your favorite couple? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's hard. The thing, the thing about Nozaki-kun is every character is great. There really aren't any weak links in the cast because a lot of the time with comedies, there'll be that one character who sucks, or that one character mm-hmm. who's just not who just you just don't really enjoy hanging out with. But um, I love all of them. I love all of them. Um, I. Whew. So I kind of, I kind of want to say Kashimiya and Hori, and I think that Kashima and Hori, and I think that's because it might just be because I was also in the drama club in high school, <laughs> and so their like goofy drama club stuff resonates with me. Um, I know the series has taken some some criticisms for their relationship, for the slapstick nature of their mm-hmm. relationship. Like Hori will like pick Kashima up and like swing her around and like throw her into mm-hmm. stuff, um, but. And a lot of the time, I don't like that kind of slapstick comedy in a manga series. But the reason I don't like it is because the character getting slapsticked around is miserable. Um, the thing I appreciate about Nozaki-kun is the way it's played is so reminiscent of, like, high school roughhousing. Right. Ka- like, she just Kashima's, gets up and starts laughing. Yeah, like, she's having a great... He's swinging around, and she's, like, <laughs> grinning the whole time. And, like, when she's talking to uh, Chio about, like... When she's starting to worry that maybe maybe Senpai uh, has like another favorite uh, favorite person or something, she's like, "Wait a minute! I'm the only one he hits," and she's very <laughs> excited about this. Um, and so, like, I th- that part of that part of their relationship does not bother me, and I actually find it um, I actually find it endearing because mm-hmm. again, it is reminiscent to me of the way like my close friends and I would you know like rib each other and like you know you like run down the hallway and like side tackle some like mm-hmm. jokingly kind of thing and so it, hip check like, each other yeah like I find it I, I find it very cute um, mm-hmm. that having been said I think the first couple to get together will probably be Seo and Waka <laughs> because <laughs> Seo is just going to grab him and make out with him one they're of these basically days. a couple already they go on dates and stuff he yeah. just doesn't know what, I mean Seo knows exactly what's going on she does yeah and Seo's, just too stupid to live Seo is such a god she's another one of those great characters who's such a perfect reversal of like gender norms because she is she is that brash loud like Toski I always called him the Toski figure because I watched <laughs> Fushigi Yugi growing up um like basically good-hearted but so oblivious um type character and and the fact that you know when when Nozaki hears about her 
he ends up turning her into the brash boy in his story mm-hmm. because that's the kind of character she is. Oh, he hates her so much. Though. Oh, and the fact, yeah, and I like that some of the characters don't like each other. Mm-hmm. Like, Nozaki doesn't like Seo. She rubs in the wrong way, but Chiyo gets along really well with Seo. All the girls have really good relationships with each other, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. And then, like, Chiyo and Mikorin have a really good friendship, and I oh love... My gosh. I love stories that, like, will allow for romances but don't feel like every single character needs to have a crush on somebody. You know what I mean? So, like, Chiyo and Mikorin just, like, having this really chill friendship. Or Kashima and Mikorin having this really, like, just oh, yeah, fun friendship. Oh, yeah, they're best friends. Yeah. No, uh, Nozaki-kun is really good at that kind of sitcom technique where if you need a plot line, you just sort of take two characters and toss them in a room together. Mm-hmm. And, like, no matter what two characters you get, like, there are three or however many, like, you're going to have a good dynamic come out of it. Something really fun is going to come and out it's of it, real, yeah. Like, yeah, it's and it's really good at, like, they're not all part of the same social group. So it took, some, took a while in the story for them all to, like, meet each other and to get to know each other. And, you know, there were some obstacles because Mikarin has social anxiety. So much social anxiety. He had, like, like the the story where, like, he met Hori and Hori's like, you know, oh, Mikoshiba's a really cool guy once you get to know him. And then the next day, Mikoshiba is, like, hiding from him. <laughs> he's like, he's like a cat. He forgot about you. You have to, you have to get used to him again a few more times before he'll open up. Um, yeah, I think the story does, I can't remember, there was, I I remember tweeting about it, but I can't remember the specifics, um, in the more recent volumes, like, there's always these little romantic undercurrents, but I think it does the friendships, Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, what really stands out to me in the story, is the way the characters, um, will hang out and, like, support each other in, Mm -hmm. in things that are, like, trivial, but then also, you know, uh, big deal things, too, and, Mm -hmm. uh, they just have a great relationship, it's very genre-savvy. Um, well, and the the characters who are also have like the coupley bits, like they're also like friends. You know, it's not yeah. that every moment that um, Hori and Kashima, who, by the way, remind me of my parents in a really weird way. Okay. <laughs> uh, my dad, my dad is an actor. He's short. He has sandy brown hair, mm-hmm. and he gets mad at my mom a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and my well, mom okay, is then. very brash and doesn't always think about what she says. And it's it's very weird. I, okay, no, I see that. I see that. Um, um, and she's tall. Um, yeah, but no, I, I know what you mean about um, the like like the sh- the sh- again. I consider them more like ships because again, the story is not focused on like oh look who's crushing on who. Um, but the ships in the story, like, they're all between characters who already have these, like, unique relationships and get mm-hmm. along, and it's not just constant, like, oh, sexual tension. Again, other than Chio starts with a crush on Nozaki, and that's, that is the through line for the two of them. But, but they're the other... also just friends. Too. Yeah, they like, are. They like, grow they get... into friends. Yeah, they get to know each other and ended up getting, like, really close in a way that I really appreciate. So, and that's, that is the benefit of, especially a comedy-focused slow burn, um, I, this isn't technically a shoujo, but that style of story is that um, you get a feel for, like, will they eventually hook up? Yeah, maybe, probably. Um, but you get a feel for, like, why they like each other throughout mm-hmm. and, like, how they get to know each other before that, before that maybe big confession. If it happens, well, yeah. you know, how it goes. Um, so I feel like we could gush about this one for, like, an yeah. entire episode if we I wanted think to. It's, it's worth mentioning for um, anime-only watchers, um, the manga does also introduce Nozaki's younger brother. Mm-hmm. who is also delightful. Yeah, he's pretty fun. Um, 
He's not in it as much as the other characters, but no. he's pretty fun. Yeah, he's so. he's he's a more like tertiary character, yeah. but and, it's always I, a good time when he shows up. Yeah, and I sincerely hope that someday we'll get that second season because I know the first one was pretty popular. Um, <sighs> so. God, someday. I mean, someday Tiger and Bunny is coming back, so literally anything is possible. Oh, oh no! I mean, we got a third season of Chihayafudu. Anything is possible, and the anime, like as good as the manga is, the anime. I think in a lot. I think in some ways the anime oh even God. improves on the material. It, like it it's really does. So good. It's um, got like such amazing like comedic timing and the, the voice actors, yeah, and the voice actors all do such a great job. No, the the anime is absolutely like it takes really good source material and then it adds all of the advantages that anime gives mm-hmm. and makes it even better. Yeah, I agree. So um, I would say check out the manga, especially if you want to like see where the stories and characters keep going because it continues to be really fun. Um, and then if you don't, if you can't spring for a new manga series at this exact moment, you can go watch the anime. It's on Crunchyroll. I, I, I'm sure it's on their free plat, their free version too. So you just watch it with ads. Um, it's been out for a while. It's great. Go check it out. Um, okay, we do have to move on though because we we talked about that one for a while. Um, <laughs> this is a really good transition though, and I purposely put these back to back because Izumi Tsubaki, the writer of Nozaki Kun, has another long running series out in English that a lot of folks don't know about. So I'm going to hit you with my best sell, uh, side B. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys about Oresama Teacher which is a, a long-running shoujo series. We're up to about 26 volumes, but good news. Um, Tsubaki has said that um, she's planning on the series wrapping up pretty quick. Um, you can tell. Like, we've basically followed the main character through her high school career, and we're in the career, her high school life, and we're in her final year. So um, it should be wrapped up in the next, like, couple of volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at maybe 2930, which is long, but not, like, unwieldy. It's not um, skip beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um especially knowing that there's an ending around the corner. And it's one of those that you can kind of pick it up and then put it down for a little bit and then pick it back up again, and it's it's fine. Um, it is the story of Mafuyu, who was a uh, rough-and-tumble uh, leader of a gang of delinquents in middle school. Um, and she, she was a boncho, basically. And when she, uh, she gets in enough trouble that her mom decides to send her to this, like, far-off boarding school-type school to get her act together and get her away from these other kids. And she decides that she's going to reboot her life and be a normal person and make, and make good girlfriends. Because she's never really had girlfriends before. She's always just been surrounded by these, like, you know, these rowdy boys. Um, and so she goes to this school, and it turns out the school is full of delinquents. And she knows the, she knows one of the teachers there. She grew up with him. Like, he was, like... I think he's like eight years older than her. Uh, they grew up in the same neighborhood, and he kind of looked out after her when she was really young. Um, and he was also a former, like, boncho, delinquent-type kid. Um, and he is trying – the school used to belong there's, – there's a lot of backstory here that gets unraveled over the course of a few volumes. But his grandpa used to own the school, and he's trying to bring its reputation back up. So he's trying to encourage more normal kids to come to the school by, like, getting the, the delinquency – issues under control so he loops mafuyu mafuyu and her um and her and like the first kid she kind of meets hayasaka who's also a delinquent type into becoming members of the of the brand new founded public morals club (laughs) and their job is to like keep things chill at school and deal with fights before they turn into like you know full-out brawls kind of thing um and then over the course of the story the public morals club gains some more members um Mafuyu starts to make friends with other people at the school. She befriends, like, the local boncho. And then there's um, – most of the story thus far has been taken up with an arc about the uh, student council who are um, trying to thwart 
um, the Public Morals Club for reasons that we aren't that aren't made clear for a while, so I'm not going to get into that yet. Um, but it is first and foremost a school comedy about uh, Mafuyu uh, trying to like corral this rowdy school, and she ends up like taking on multiple personas to to do it because she wants to maintain her image as just like a normal girl to everybody else. But she um, sometimes she'll dress up as a boy who's also like a shadow member of the Public Morals Club, and then sometimes she um, is a girl wearing a bunny mask called Super Bun, um, who will go around saving the day when needed. <laughs> Um, uh, it's she... worth noting because I've read a few volumes. It's not a sexy bunny mask. No, 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 no. It's a, <laughs> it's like a goofy, full-faced like mascot it looks... style. It's silly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the whole se- the series is very silly. Mafuyu is such a good protagonist. She's one of those like straightforward and chipper, but also like a total idiot style uh, shoujo heroines, which I love those characters. Um, and she just wants to make best friends with everybody. And the story is very much a friendship story. Like, it is about her friendship with the other members of the Public Morals Club, especially Hayasaka and uh, Yui Shinobu, who ends up becoming my favorite character. He's so good. Um, but then also, like, how the different relationships she builds with the members of the student council and some of the other students in the school. Um, the one thing I, I, I want to, like make super clear is that the series starts off not great it's like I liked it from volume one I kept reading it but I was not I did not fall in love with it until probably about seven or eight in um because in the early going and I don't know if this was editorial mandate or what but there are like hints in the early going that like Mafuyu has a crush on the teacher uh Sayaki who she knew when she was younger and so there's like these like off kind of off-putting moments of like sexual tension between the two of them that gets dropped completely about three volumes in and then he's just then he's just a mentor like he's there and like there's still the sense that maybe Mafuyu has a crush on him but whatever I mean kids can have crushes on their teachers it's fine um and I'm hoping that continues through through to the very end um and so I just really like it. Like every volume is a good time. Um, the cast continues to expand in some really good ways. It does some fun stuff with like the idea of like what it means to be a normal girl and Mafuyu kind of figuring out like, well, no, I actually like enjoy, like, I don't mind. I kind of like fighting, you know, I, I like, I like, I don't want to necessarily be a delinquent, but I like this sort of active lifestyle. And so I do want to keep that up in some way. And I don't want to lose touch with my old friends and stuff like that. Um, it, the most recent arc, full disclosure, has um, some issues with, there's like a um, false assault accusation type thing that shows up, um, but I think it is helped by the fact that it happens like 23 volumes in, and we've met so many other characters, um, and we've had arcs about like girls getting like harassed or bullied for real, and it's always a very light touch. Um, but I think the fact that all of that is built into it makes it so it, I ground my teeth a little bit, but it wasn't as harmful as I think those stories tend to be because of the balance of other stories that it had told up to that point. Um, so be aware that that, that shows up eventually, but, um, overall it's, it's a really nice, fun character driven, like goofball school battle story, I guess. Um, and I like it a lot, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends, and I really hope she sticks the landing and doesn't do anything weird with it, like, in the final stretch. Like, 
um, because again, I've really liked it so far, and I hope it it keeps its focus on that, like on Mafuyu and her friendships with the other uh, Morals Club members. Um, so yeah, that's Orisama Teacher. Folks should check it out. There are plenty of volumes to keep you entertained, and it has a conclusion coming up, so you don't have to feel like you're committing to you know one of those series that's going to go on forever and ever and ever, which is great. Yay. Um, okay. <laughs> I talked for a while, um, but there was a lot. Again, it was a long one, and there was a lot I wanted to say about it. Um, So we are coming up on the hour, which means it is time for us to bring it all in for a big group hug and finish things off with um, one of my personal favorites, and I'm so glad the two of you have gotten a chance to read some of this as well, Heaven's Design Team. This is is such a nice series. I, I... I I don't know. I don't know. I learned a lot of stuff I did not want to know about koalas from this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So folks at home, real quick. Uh, the premise of Heaven's Design Team is there are a group of uh, celestial beings whose job it is to um, create animals to populate Earth with. And so every chapter they'll get like, well, not every chapter, but the, the sort of the, pre- the concept is like they periodically get commissions from God, but... Uh, with like general design things that he wants out of the animal um like a creature that wears its home on its back and that could lead to a snail or something like that and so it follows the designers as they try to like fulfill the requests of their employer um and then throughout that you learn fun facts about animals um not fun not okay sometimes weird and horrifying and gross facts about animals no Um, that is intensely part of the appeal Oh, it is though. That's the yes. thing. Like that's part of yes. what makes it so fun. I want to be. <laughs> I want to be clear here. It's fascinating, but oh my god, nature is gross, y'all. <laughs> nature is disgusting. Yes, that is perhaps the moral of Heaven's Design Team. <laughs> um, so you guys just jumped into this one pretty recently, partly for this podcast because you'd been meaning to read it. Um, it sounds like you're both enjoying it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It. I mean, it's um, it's an edutainment manga, which I find myself warming to as I grow older it definitely and maybe this is just because it's the anime cl- uh closest in my mind but it did remind me a lot of cells at work yes mm-hmm. I got that feeling too yeah I think that comparison is is an uh, kind of an easy one to make and one that especially since cells at work you know is the is the more popular of the two um mm-hmm. that's usually my point of comparison when I'm pitching it to people but mm-hmm. and I think you yeah, um, I think you touched on this in your article D uh Heaven's yeah, Design, an article about yeah. this one too. Heaven's Design team handles its gender shit a lot better. Yes. Oh yeah. I uh, does it y- work for all I love it does fall a little bit into the the gender norm trap. Not in a serious way, but just a little bit. But I mean, Heaven's Design team. I mean, likes to be a little bit more expect. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a way that ruins it for some people, not for. For everyone. Uh, no, I was just but... going to point out Cells at Work Black, which takes away all of the good merit oh. points of regular Cells at Work. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a lot of demerits. Um, but yeah, Heaven's Design Team does not just play with, ex- like, it plays, or it plays with expectations. It does not just play within what the sort of expected rules and bounds. Like, you have uh, Pluto, I think who is like a gothic Lolita who loves disgusting creatures. Mm-hmm. She's the good. one she, she's always talking about dicks and shit. Just loves them. <laughs> oh, it has two penises and the female has two vaginas to go with it. It's a girl is great. She's the one who designed koalas. 
She had help from the guy who loves cute things. The the, 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 soft, true. the soft, cuddly boy. Um, I don't know. I know you guys aren't 100% caught up, but I hope you got to the part where he's just snuggling a dolphin because yes. he needed some comfort. <laughs> That's a, that scene is such and a mood. he made a fuzzy one. He made a fuzzy dolphin because he was under a lot of stress at work. Uh, yeah, I love... I think what keeps me coming back to the design team is like the animal facts are really fun and interesting and presented really well, but also the characters are all great and I love the way they interact with each other. Um, and I also like that there's this element of what it's like to work in like a graphic design firm or just like any kind of design firm where like you get these weird, like vague, um, requests from a client and then you just have to do your best to figure out what the hell they mean <laughs> by that. Um, and so you will have episodes where they're like super stressed out or like there's one where uh, Venus goes off about how getting vague designs is the absolute worst because then you'll just you'll just do whatever you want, but it's not actually what the client wants, so they'll just keep coming back at you like, no, this isn't quite right. Um, and I love that element of it as well, uh, the sort of workplace comedy mm-hmm. that comes into that comes into play too. It feels like it comes from a place of experience. Yeah. Oh yeah, it really oh, is. intensely relatable. Um, it's not hard to believe that a manga artist might have worked in some kind of a like more market marketing style design firm at mm-hmm. some point in their life, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can feel that vibe as well. Yeah. Um, I love, I love the character who loves horses. Saturn. Oh, the, I can't remember Saturn. Saturn. Yeah. Yes, Saturn's horse obsession because a, once again, going with the going expects ex, going against expectations thing, you would think that the person obsessed with horses would be a teenage girl, that's <laughs> an old man, and the fact that horses evolutionarily are designed to do precisely what horses do. And you really can't change it in any way because horses are actually very poorly designed animals. Mm-hmm. I love I love any time they go into like why a particular mythological creature would absolutely not work. Yes, oh, those segments doctor. are always very good. <laughs> the dedication, uh, the, to unicorn bit, on the unicorn bit, the, the Pegasus. Yes, yeah. the uh, the the guest oh, appearance God, the by the xenomorph. Yeah, every so every so often they will accidentally uh, invent like a pop culture reference. So like, there's one volume where at the end they basically create Cthulhu. Um, there's I don't know if you guys got to the one where they where they create a Sharknado, but they yeah, create a Sharknado. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and awesome. This the the writers like the pop culture savviness of the series leads to like some really good comedy bits too. Um, that I I did not know Sharknado was a thing that was known in Japan. <laughs> so props to the props to the writer for proving me wrong. It's like just the right amount of reference too. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like if if you would go too hard, it just becomes gimmicky. But it's just every so often, just a little bit of like, oh, I recognize that thing. This is why it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll link to my article as well, but I do, I do kind of circling back to the gender thing and maybe we can end on this note. Mm. Um, one thing I liked, one reason I like to pitch the series to people is because not only does it play with gender norms, like in the way that Nozaki does, but it also takes that extra step that I wish Nozaki would take, which is to include characters who don't just, um, uh, it's not just about like gender presentation. It's also about gender identity and Venus is canonically a trans woman. And I think that's fantastic because it's very rare to find those in anime, especially anime or manga, sorry, that aren't like about queer issues. Mm-hmm. And right. Let me know your thoughts on this as well. But I think the way the series handles Venus is great. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, she does have some 
arguably stereotypical traits in that you know she's extremely fashionable like very like in the first issue when the, the writer is clearly still figuring out the characters she has one of those moments of where she's like oh i've been hit by this terrible poisonous creature i wish i could have died in the arms of a strong burly man but that all like that element goes away pretty quickly and mostly it it doesn't feel egregious she feels she doesn't feel like a joke in the story and there's a lot of lovely little normalized things like nobody comments on her outfits except to note how incredibly fashionable she is like it's not she's not drawn to look absurd or ugly and when they go to a hot spring she hangs out with the other girls in the bath and it's not a big deal like it's it's a wonderfully normalized uh portrayal and it made me really happy yeah, I, I really liked the, when they went to the hot springs, I got nervous, because up to that point, I thought they'd been handling Venus really well, and I was like, oh god, what are they going to do here? Like, because even the line about, like, wanting to die in the arms of a strapping of a strapping young man or something like that, like, none of the other characters react to that, so it's like a quirk of Venus, but it's not played, it's like, it's like Venus being kind of silly and melodramatic, but it's not played like, oh, gross, mm-hmm. you like dudes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um... Like it's not like um, it's not like Shimoda's freaking out about it. Like he's just worried because he thinks Venus might be dying. <laughs> she's fine. Um, but then so we get to the hot springs and she's just chilling on the girl side and there's no comment about it. It just exists. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. I just needed this in my in my media. So uh-huh. I I really like that about it too. Yeah, I, it's um, a shame that shorts seem to be kind of on the wane right now because I think I think this would make a fantastic series of animated shorts. It would be a really good, like, 10 yeah. to 15 minute series. I agree with you there. I think, I mean, I didn't watch Sales at Work all the way through. I think it might struggle to maintain, like, a 20, 25 minute block. Uh, I think it could do it because the characters are really likable. Um, but yeah, it would be, like, a perfect 10 to 15 minute short series. Um, maybe someday. It's reasonably well received. Like, it got a, tran- a translation into English really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, is it com- so i'm hoping that means it's popular in Japan, is it complete so. is the form is it no it's it's ongoing we get new volumes like every six months or nice. so um yeah so it's a it's a nice little continuing series mm-hmm. there's only four out right now so folks it also if you it's selling well it enough out. that that they're going to make a physical release too that's right it was digital only when it started but um they're doing physical volumes now or they're in the process of so mm-hmm. that's excellent that's always a good sign if kodansha decides to do the physical version as also well, i think so. this would be like a, a perfect series for like middle schoolers who are in their gross facts phase like mm-hmm. exactly right mm-hmm. it's edu it's, yes. it's educational but also like very fun and there's like i think every volume gets at least one like full laugh full full like belly laugh out of me about something goofy it does so uh yeah we should probably stop there but I'm very glad you guys are enjoying it. Um, I hope you continue to read it. Um, it's it's just a, a fun one to pick up and, and have a good time with. So, mm-hmm. um, And folks at home, uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF and have found some uh, new, light, fun, silly uh, series to enjoy and help take your mind off of things. Uh, if you do like what you heard today, we hope you tell your friends about this podcast and have all of them listen to it, even the ones who don't like manga. <laughs> uh, and if you really liked what you heard today, uh, we would love it if you could head over to our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com backslash anime feminist and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, we know that not everybody has that option right now. We totally understand. Um, but if you are able, it goes a long way to helping us pay for our contributors, our editors, um, everything that makes anime, anime feminist run both in print and in your earbuds. 
Uh, if you're interested in more from the team and our contributors, you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. And that's the show. Tell us your favorite comedy manga in the comments, Annie Fam, and we will catch you next time.